amazing. Man, you all look amazing this morning on this Family and Friends Day. We're excited about what God is doing in New Covenant Worship Center and how God has graced us. We have celebrated 10 years of ministry. Amen. I'm telling you, God is good to us. And I'm just excited about how God has blessed us. A couple of quick announcements and things. That, real quick. Um, God has favored us so tremendously. Um, and I'm just excited about what God does and how he does it. And a lot of times we don't understand the impact or know the impact that we may be having or the influence we may be having um, within the world and how God will grace us. But I'm grateful for this ministry because God truly keeps showing us time and time again how he graces us. Um, this is off the record real quick. This is a little quick conversation. I'll give you some updates um, of what God is doing and how he does it. But this week, um, I had an opportunity to sit down with a pastor from the Joliet area. And he actually reached out to me through Facebook. Um, he's a Facebook friend of mine, but I don't know him personally. I didn't know him personally, but he's one of my Facebook friends. And um, he's a pastor here in Joliet at Judson Memorial Baptist Church, right here on Black Road. Um, He's a white pastor, and it was just amazing. Um, just he said, reach out and meet out for me for coffee or whatever. And so we met and we began to converse and just talk. And he wanted to know if there's any way um, that we can connect and join together um, with any type of outreach because he follows us and seeing the amount of outreach that we've done. And um, he just wanted some ideas and things were going on. I said, Well, next year we're getting back in you know, our full swing of outreach. I said, we're not doing anything this year in particular. And so he was like, you know, whatever they may be, whatever, you know, if we partner up just to help you guys, just to be there, whatever it may be. And it was just a blessing and refreshing because he's been pastoring here for 20 years in Joliet. He came from a small town in Iowa when he, uh, from pastoring, I believe it was Iowa. And so when he came here, he said, none of the other pastors reached out to him. I said, well, welcome to the same party I've had for the past 10 years. I said, no other local pastors reached out to me when I got here either. And I said, it was not, I'm not saying it in a bad or negative thing because I'm telling you what goes on in the body of Christ because of this spirit of competition and, 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 and jealousy that goes throughout the body of Christ. It's not just here in Joliet. People are afraid and scared. You're going to take their members. I, you don't belong to me. You're not my members. We all belong to God. And I tell pastors every time when I meet them, I said, when I came out here, I said, I don't want nobody that God has not assigned to me. Because if you have not been assigned to my voice, I want you to be in the place where God has assigned you to that individual's voice so that you can get what you need to grow, to increase, and to be who God called you to be. I've never been out on a mission to get members. When we do outreach, we're not out there to get members. We're not out here to get people to come to our church. I mean, I think out of all the hours we've done, we've only had a few people that actually have joined to become members. We go out there. That's not our agenda. We go out there to share the love of Jesus. And just to be encouraged and just to know that that uh, man was able to reach out and we had great conversation and uh, knowing that there's some things, you know, that they've done on a uh, small scale with outreach, but they're just looking to do something new. And I shared, you know, how we do things and what we do. And people are just amazed at that. 
So when you use the tools in the right manner and with the right motives, they can be positive and effective. Another testimony, same week. So Sister Chantel sends me um, a message from, we have a voicemail set up through our Facebook. We actually have a church number because it's, it's, it's a general number um, so that the people who need information, there's a voicemail. I don't have the number right here where I can just give it to you, whatever, but it's on our Facebook page. We That's the social media team. They do all the different stuff with media team. So anyway, um, an individual from John Eckhart's shirt reaches out. And she uh, she says that she does intercessory prayer teams or, do, you know, does, um, she sends intercessors to missionary fields, to different areas. And she likes to, uh, she says she saw our Facebook page and she saw that we believe like we believe. She said, and John, John Eckhart's been in your church before, right? I said, no, John Eckhart has never been here. And she said, well, you believe the same stuff, deliverance, healing, you know, all the other various things. I said, yes, we do. She said, well, we all in the body. I said, yes, we are. I said, that's what we, this, we're all in the body of Christ. And so today she will actually be here um, just for any intercessors uh, that may be interested. She's just going to give information for, uh, I don't know where they're going or what um, the particular uh, mission may be or where they may be going. But if you're interested, she'll be here, I think, at around 1130. And she'll be in the foyer. So as you exit out, if you want to speak with her, that's fine. But um, I thank God for the exposure as we continue to be committed to the assignment. Um, praying for our children. We did it for seven days. Praying for families for seven days. God has really been favoring us um, just in being obedient. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's nothing, no gimmicks behind it. Nothing else. We were just being obedient to the assignment that God placed upon our life. So I'm grateful in the in the right heart with it. So I'm grateful for that. Last thing, I, I wanted, I was driving home from work the other day and the Lord began to minister to me and I just began to reflect on some stuff and I said this ministry I want us to really realize how significantly significantly blessed we are um, when Apostle Torn was here um, he mentioned how you know um, I think with one of the building projects that they have they may pay paid out about 200 grand for an architect because the size of the project the prices go up so our project compared to his project their projects was a whole big difference. And so he was just elated and, and just really amazed at what we had done here in the building. And so this week I was driving and I, and I started thinking about the seed that we have in the ground here in Joliet. Because I want you to understand we have a seed in the ground. So in 10 years, with the amount of people that we see, we, have, we don't see, we haven't seen this amount of people until the last like year and a half. With the amount we put down on our down payment, the amount we paid for renovation, the amount we did in this outreach over the eight, nine years. Do you know that adds up to $460,000? Almost a half a million dollars in 10 years. That's seed in the ground because that's all cash money. See, the remodel had to be done in order to accommodate the people to have some place to worship. That seed in the ground, because you don't want to come to a place where the hole is in the wall and the seats is on three legs, and you know, and you're trying to look up in the ceiling talking about let me miss the raindrops. That seed in the ground, almost a half a million dollars, half a million dollars that God has graced us to put in the ground. That seed in Joliet's area. 
And so that's why God continues to give us harvest. He continues to favor us. He continues to give us favor with people and to allow us to be able to move in the way that we move. I'm telling you, that is a blessing. I said, God, with the, I'm talking about with the amount of people that God has done it with. We don't have three, four, five hundred members. And in 10 years, I know in, in some of that's a small number. I said, but God has graced us. And I'm grateful for what you all, because you all have given that. And everything has been on point. I mean, we, we've had great fun, fellowship, all throughout all of that. That God has done for us. So I'm just grateful. So I'm just, just giving you that tidbit just to encourage you to let you know that what you do is not in vain. Your serving is not in vain. Your giving is not in vain. God is blessing this ministry. So that exposure, that level, that's just a tidbit of what God will begin to do. Amen? So today you're in for a very special uh, uh, treat of what God is going to do and how we're going to minister this word today. And um, this is our fifth part in the power of agreement. And today is Pentecost Sunday. And I wasn't, I don't really gear things around, you know, the different things that may go about this Pentecost Sunday. But we're talking about the power of agreement, so it goes in line. So today we're going to go to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. We're going to see a little bit in those particular chapters today. And so God has really blessed us in this series because we have seen how God honors and he moves um, when we're in line with him and when we're on the same page of understanding what he agrees with. And then we come into agreement and to align with those things that he agrees with and what is righteous in his eyesight. When we disagree, we saw the blessing of Noah last week. He did not conform to the culture that was around him, the evil and the chaos. The Bible says that God began to see that Noah had, God had graced him and saw that he was a perfect man. He was a mature man. And so uh, I, I, it was just it was just amazing just to see how that positioned him to be able to save his entire family because he stood for righteousness. So if one can stand, it will be a difference. If one will stand, you can make a difference in your life and your family just with one standing for righteousness. Amen. So today, the day of Pentecost, uh, which is 50 days after Easter, um, the seventh Sunday uh, after Easter is the day that we celebrate Pentecost when the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles and it was released upon the church. Amen. Amen. So today I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing, but we're going to get some good meat here today. Um, do y'all want to read Romans 12 and 1 again? Let's read it again. You, 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 I, want you, I want you to keep hearing that because I want you to keep getting that in your spirit. Romans 12 and 1. Because this is the key to moving into power agreement. We have to have a changed mindset. Come on now. Even if you don't get there, I'm reading. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He said, the apostle Paul is urging the brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. We have to constantly remind ourselves that if we're going to, if we find ourselves conforming to the pattern of the world, we'll find ourselves in disagreement with God. Come on, Come on man. 
He says, because do not conform to the, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. The renewing of your mind represents now that I'm coming to an agreement with yeah. what God says. I'm coming to agreement with what God has ordained, yeah. that I should walk in, that I should believe in, his laws, his precepts, his ordinance concerning my life. I have to transform my mind. Because if my mind is not renewed, I will not move into the fullness of what God wants for me and what he desires for me. I'll be slapped. I'll have lack. I'll be moving in areas of struggle, of heartache, and pain because that's what the world's pattern looks like. The world wants you to struggle, believe it or not. Even though they paint a picture like you know everything is good because you can gain that quick and easy access to money. You can gain that quick and easy access to things. But you have to realize that thing comes with a price. Because sooner or later, a fast lifestyle will catch up with you. But if you do this thing according to the what God's word says, that thing will bless you because God said he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So I have to be able to not conform to the pattern. So as long as I'm not conforming to the pattern, so then that means that I'm doing things that line up with God's word. I'm doing things that line up with God's promises. So let's go to the book of Acts when we see how this day of Pentecost began to come about because there was so much agreement that had to be in position in order for things to manifest. And see, that's what's missing in the body of Christ. I want you to see these particular points in the scripture. Oh, I appreciate you. I'm going to take my time, brother, because I want you to get this thing good down in your soul. Amen. I'm going to be shocked. I'm glad I got a witness in the building. I got out of my shot. Come on, help me preach this thing. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. I'm in the NIV version. So let me paraphrase before I uh, uh, start reading. Oh, this is good. So in Acts chapter 1, Jesus in the beginning, he had shown himself and he had talked about that the Holy Spirit would fall upon them and that they had an assignment to go into all the earth and to uh, receive the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, you should be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so at this time, Judas had did his assignment, killed himself, did what he needed to do. Now, the 11 apostles that are left, they chose to choose a person to take Judas's place. Now, why was this so significant? I believe they had to choose somebody before the Holy Spirit even actually fell upon them. Because God had ordained for the for 12 of them to operate and to go forth in the earth realm and to go in and now preach this gospel. So they said, let me get another one to put in his place because I want to be in line where God and Jesus had called us at from the beginning. So they went and they prayed and they asked God and they, you know, uh, began to come down to the decision between two guys and they began to choose and they chose Matthias. Let's drop down to verse 14 in chapter one. I want to read this. So they had chosen Matthias, they had prayed, they, they assigned another apostle to take Judas's place. Is that all right? Amen. So in verse 14, Acts chapter 1, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, I need you to highlight that and keep that in mind because after they had chosen the apostle and they had got everybody back in, in position, got everything back in line, 
It says that they were constantly in prayer. So in order to come into agreement with the things of God, I have to constantly be in position to communicate with him. I cannot have days or moments or lapses of time that are extended that I now lose communication because now I begin to lose what God wants to what what he wants for me to hear and what I need to receive from him. So the Bible said they were constantly in prayer. So this is a prerequisite in order for you to get into a position to establish agreement in your life. I have to constantly have communication with them. I told them on Thursday night who we teaching the Bible study. The person that you know well is a person you spent time communicating with. If you have ever, if you've ever been married or you chose to have been in a relationship before I married her, three years, we spent three years dating or whatever the case may be, but there were conversations when we first started dating, all the conversations were two, three hours long on that phone. You know, you halfway sleep, three o'clock in the morning, just holding on to the phone, just hearing each other breathe, and you talk, I love you, and you wake up, I love you. Every 20 minutes, go back, and you know, you're just courting that thing, you know, you're building that stuff up, and you know, you're building communication, and you begin to get to know a person because you're spending time with them and you're communicating. You didn't want a day to go by not calling them because you were chasing after them. Y'all don't act like you ain't never been chasing nobody. Because everybody in here don't chase somebody because you got here. You saw what your mom and daddy did. So, so you, so you, 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 you communicated. So that, that communication built relationship and it built knowledge person was. So constant prayer with God built an atmosphere so that they can know who God was. And so here it says they will pray. They all joined together constant prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Verse 15. In those days Peter stood up among the believers. A group numbered about 120 listen to this and said brothers and sisters the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke a long, long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as God, as God of those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the pain he received of his wickedness, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong. His body burst open, and his intestines filled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in language Alkadama. This is filled the blood. For, for said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning with John's baptism to the time when we were taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. By they nominated two men, Joseph called Barasbas. Also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell on Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Amen? Amen. Now, go to chapter 1. Jesus. I mean, chapter 2. Jesus. They were in agreement, yes. casting lots, yes. chose the apostle to take Judas's place. They were in prayer and communication. And he said, God, you know their heart. Uh-huh. See, when I go to choose leadership and I go to choose people in ministry, now I can choose wrong because I can hear wrong at some point. See, I'm human. See, leaders ain't going to take responsibility. See, Dr. Mike, Dr. R.A. Vernon teaches that we have to take responsibility. Sometimes you can pick wrong. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Sometimes you can pick wrong because of, some people will paint a picture like they got it all together. He talked about how he had a secretary that was going behind his back and talking all this crazy stuff to some of the members and had to find out. And he come back, well, what's going on? What's happening? And he found out it was this particular person that was speaking all kind of crazy stuff behind his back and didn't have the right intentions at heart. But on the surface, he needed her for the assignment, administrative, this and that. But then they have other motives. And so he picked wrong. And he acknowledged that and honors that because this is a part of life. Because everybody shows you that good stuff on that first date. Give about six months later. You find out who they really are. So God, the scripture says, it says, God, you know their heart, which ones we should choose. So we have to take time and space and have wisdom. This is why we're not quick to ordain, quick to put people in position. We have to use wisdom. I don't need 50 armor bears. I don't need 50 people that's in leadership and ain't nobody leading nobody. Be in position, be in assignment, and be ready to serve. Amen? This is it. So now, chapter 2. This day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Another representation of unity. They were in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthenians, Medias, and Elimites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pyramid, Pamelia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome. That's what it sounds like on the day of Pentecost. That's what you hear is the people speaking in tongues. That's what was manifesting. That's what was going on. And then the Bible says that the people came in and said, what is that sound out here? What is that sound out here? That's how the sound of the Russian light wind came. Because they were all sitting together on one accord. They were all in a place. It says the Bible says that the tongues came upon them as cold and fire. And the Bible begins to tell them and begins to operate in a way where they begin to speak in other tongues. And then people from other nations came in and said, what is the sound? 
See, you have to understand the power of agreement comes with the sound. Yeah. Because agreement means harmony. And so when you hear the sound of the Holy Spirit, it begins to draw you in. See, there's a sound attached to the Holy Ghost. And see, the reason why a lot of things are drying up because people are not speaking with the Holy Ghost. A lot of reasons why a lot of churches are drying up because they're not speaking with the Holy Ghost. See, the Holy Ghost has a sound that will bring forth nations from other tongues. And this is why I had her speak in Spanish because she's from another tongue. And when you get into the Holy Ghost, you can understand because now it begins to bring an interpretation so that you can hear what God has to say in your own language. But you gotta be in agreement with the Holy Ghost. God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see dreams. Your old men will dream dreams. He said, even on my service, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I need you to understand that when you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. See, I don't care what situation you find yourself in. If you can get the name of Jesus out your mouth, if you can just call on him in the midst of your desperation, I believe he will answer you. But you gotta get nasty deep down in the midst of your mess. You gotta have enough in you to say, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I don't know how to get out of this. Jesus. 
the Holy Spirit had come in. So let's pick it up at verse 37. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for, listen at this, for you, your children, and for all who are born, for all who the Lord our God will call. So the day of Pentecost, it just stopped right there. The gift of the Holy Ghost didn't stop right there in the book of Acts. It's that for all those who will be called afar off. Jesus Christ's doctrine. Yes. 
See, what happens is we, we got Jesus Christ doctrine, what we believe. We, we read the Bible, and we want to read 1,700 other books. Everything is not meant for me to digest. Because the more voices you fill your spirit with, the more opportunity for you to be confused and doubt. See, some of us are not strong enough to understand what the Muslims talk about because you'll begin to doubt what Jesus said.
pick up such and such. So because your mind is drifting during prayer, you don't experience and we don't experience the power of what God can do in an atmosphere that has constantly been gathering together with the same mind and the same agenda. See, when you're focusing on the same agenda, the same, when we come in to pray, we come in to pray. We don't come in to do anything else. If you come in and pray, then you can see the signs and wonders manifest. If this is what you come in to do, if this is what you come in, you come in to prophesy, we have prophetic impact now. There's a need to call it prophetic impact now that nobody never prophesied. That's what we call for. That's what we're in expectation for. And if the people come in with that expectancy, expectancy upon their heart, everybody came about move and operating. We'll see the prophetic at a whole nother level. Yes. So that's why we have to understand the power of the agreement. He says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. He said, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Listen at this. They sold property and possessions to give to, to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. What did they do every day? Every day they met. Because I told you, any space that you leave open outside of being connected to God gives open space for the enemy. You, 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 you can't tell me that when you don't come to church, you don't feel that absence of, of God. Don't try to act like you all deep because you ain't reading your word uh, Monday through Saturday. So if you don't get your word on Sunday, this is why we read the scripture. Because you ain't reading your Monday through Saturday. That's all right. I don't read every day. That's I'm the pastor. I don't read every day. I might read a clip or something, see something, but I'm not reading the Bible every day. Let's be real. Because we have a lot. Y'all need to stop tripping on me. Word of God. 
I ain't got, there's, no, there's no need for all that. We ain't got to have all this extra stuff, all the confusion. That's, that if, when you have the love of God in the atmosphere, when you have the right heart of the people, this is why God can be able to bring them in. God doesn't want to draw you into something that looks like the world. So that's why God can get the glory in this book of Acts church. Because the power of agreement will put you in that position. The power of agreement will put you in that place. Agreeing on prayer, agreeing on fellowship, agreeing on the right doctrine. So that you can walk in this thing and receive the fullness of it. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand for it. Listen, this power of agreement is powerful, and uh, I'm grateful for it. Yeah, one more Sunday, and I'll close the series out. We have now deemed things that are dysfunctional as functional. Well, yes. We have become so accustomed to things that are negative, we put positive things on it because we're so used to negative. Right. Wrong is wrong. Yes. You know, you can dress it up. You can put some smell good on it. You know, hey, you can put some fresh new tennis shoes on it. Wrong is wrong. And so we have to begin to now. See, this is the challenge because, you know, we want to we, we want to shout. We want to dance. But I'm going to give you some practical things. I'm going to give you some biblical knowledge. And I'm going to give you some examples of this. And, and we're going to, you know, leave down from this place. But these are really hard conversations that you have to have with yourself. And this requires some digging. This requires some soul searching. This requires uh, some questions that need to be asked of those who have gone before you. Come on. Because dysfunction and pain is rooted in our family tree. Well. Dysfunction and pain is rooted in our family's heritage that we have for years and generations have covered up because we don't want to deal with the pain. But pain, as we talked last year in one of our series, pain produces the promise. If I can get through the pain, the promise will be revealed unto me. So there's some pain that I have to endure in order to get to the promised state. That diamond is not going to be a diamond if it does not go through the fire, if it does not go through the crushing, if it does not go through the various things that need to make it to be able to withstand the longevity of holding its particular sparkle, its shape, and everything that makes it a diamond. Because we have a tendency to say, oh, that's a diamond in the rough. And a lot of us stay in the rough and never become diamonds. Come on, come on. Because we're afraid of the process. We're afraid, we're afraid of the we're afraid of the pain and the pressure that it takes to produce diamonds. Come on. And so as I was studying this and beginning to get information as it as it relates to uh, finding out what particular characteristics uh, are upon a dysfunctional family, I said, wow, some of this stuff is in my bloodline. No one is exempt. Amen. Now, as a shocking statement, it's going to be like, everyone has some shape, form, or fashion of dysfunction in your family bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. There's no need for you to try to act like Because we're going to see in the royal family they had dysfunction. Yeah. King David's family. Yeah. Royalty does not exempt you. Well, 
Your money doesn't protect you. Your status doesn't protect you. That does not protect you from having some form of dysfunction that comes in the bloodline. Why? Because we're going to talk about the rhythm. We have all been born in sin. Well, this is after the fall of Adam. So sin nature is in the earth realm. So because sin nature is in the earth realm, there is opportunity for us to choose. This is where we have to begin to examine the things. What choices am I making to remove myself from the dysfunction and the hurt of my past? Do I continue and keep making the same mistakes, the same bad choices, the same patterns that I saw my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my uncles, my cousins? Do I keep seeing a repetitive, continuing cycle? Because believe it or not, if you if you stop for a moment and pay a little bit of attention, come on. All you need is just to pay a little bit of attention. You'll see the areas where there are fallen things that are on your bloodline when you look at some of your relatives and you see the constant things that they're still dealing with year after year, yeah. month after month, yeah. week after week. You see these things, you say, you know what? This thing is looking like a pattern. And when you identify the pattern of what is broken, now you can begin to make adjustments to now make choices and decisions where you can become in a position where you can fix some of those things and not continue but break the cycles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But the only way we're going to break those cycles is through the power of the love of God. His love is what's going to prepare us to be ready to love effectively and to have a relationship that will be long-lasting where we don't continue to jump in and out of relationships as soon as things get tough, as soon as things get hard, as soon as, as, soon as there are challenges we want to give up because we're quick to give up because we said, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be like my mom or my daddy. Well, what is it that you're going to do if you want to be happy? You're going to have to fight for something that you really want. Amen. That's right. Amen. Everybody wants relationship, but they don't want to learn how to relate to one another in order to keep longevity. Ah, that's good. That's good. Because to relate means to get, I get to relate to you. I get to know you. I get to find out who you are, what your likes and dislikes are, in order to build a relationship. Right. To relate. Yes. That's it. But as we're going to see today, and I've got a lot to cover, I'm going to try to break this thing down to a real small segment because we got to do everything. we got to do communion and all that stuff. We missed last. We're going to do it today. I'm going to give you Wikipedia's definition of dysfunctional, of a dysfunctional family. I'm going to give you some characteristics. And then I'm going to take you to the Bible and let you see a dysfunctional family. They need a Bible. Go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. The same folk that's in the Bible came after Adam, which was after the fall. Go ahead, sir. So this didn't start yesterday. Come on. Say it. This is why it's called generational curses. Because they go on for generations. Now, now I'm, I'm preparing and believing God that one day he's going to let me write that book, Generational Blessings, because there are generational blessings also. Yeah, come on, come on. See, it's a lot more good in your family. you got to dig that stuff out, too. Yeah. Wow. I found out that Sister Sheila worked on her one job for 40 years. Some of us can't work four months. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're right about it. You are right about it. If you have your own business, you're going to have employees. Yes, absolutely. Come on. Can I teach this thing real good today? Come on, water. Is that all right? Oh, y'all got me covered today. So listen, let me give you some. Oh, this is good. Let me get a little quick drink, and we're going to get this thing going. Y'all ready? Okay. A dysfunctional family is a family in which conflict, misbehavior, and often child neglect or abuse on the part of individual parents occur continuously and regularly, leading other members to accommodate such actions. Children sometimes grow up in such families with the understanding that such an arrangement is normal. Dysfunctional families are primarily a result of two adults one typically overtly abusive and the other codependent. Well, it may also be affected by addi addictions such as substance abuse, drugs, including alcohol, or sometimes an untreated mental illness. Jesus. Dysfunctional parents may emulate or overcorrect sometimes an untreated mental illness. Dysfunctional parents may emulate or overcorrect, I'm sorry, from their from their own dysfunctional parents. In some cases, the dominant parent will abuse or neglect their children, and the other parent will not object, misleading the child to assume blame. This is Wikipedia. This is a definition of a dysfunctional family. Now, this particular thing goes on into various different <coughs> attributes and things that are some of the most common dysfunctional features that you may find in a dysfunctional family. We're going to point out a couple of them. And then I want to point out another thing and then we're going to get to the scriptures. Is that okay? Amen. Because we're going to help you today. Because I want you to, we, we want to have successful relationships. We want to have marriages and we want to be married to one wife, married to one husband. We don't want to have seven wives. You've been divorced seven times. You're working on the eighth. Something is wrong. We need to find out what the root is. Yeah. We need to find out what the root cause is. Why are you moving constantly and keep having the same mistake happen in every relationship? You keep doing the same thing. And you keep getting the same result. Some features that are common in most dysfunctional families. These are a couple of these I'm going to read. A lack of empathy, understanding, and sensitivity towards certain family members while expressing extreme empathy or appeasement towards one or more members who have real or perceived special needs. In other words, one family, one family member continuously receives far more than they deserve while another is marginalized. That's when you develop those sibling rivalries because parents may show a little bit more attention to the other children. Oh, that's an issue. Denial, refusal to acknowledge abusive behavior, possibly believing that the situation is normal or even beneficial, also known as the elephant in the room. When you deny that there's an issue, that there's abusive behavior, there's a problem, there's some struggle, we have to be able to admit it if we're going to get help. Disrespect of others' boundaries, physical contact that other person dislikes, breaking important promises without just cause, purposely violating boundary another person has expressed. Another example, and we're going to get to another point, and I'm going to get you the scripture. Unequal or unfair treatment of one or more family members due to their birth order, 
gender, age, family role, abilities, race, may include frequent appeasement of one member of the, at the expense of others, or even inconsistent enforcement of rules. So based on, you know, girls get these set of rules, boys get this set of rules. You have to begin to find out and develop and understand to have balance to be able to identify how we're going to raise our children because these the way we raise our children is going to be a direct correlation of how they become as adults. So you're thinking the things that you do around them as children don't matter. You just tell them, go in your room and don't watch what I do. And you right. just do what I say. Come on. Okay, here we go. Um, one of the things I want to point out, um, it gave, this is an experience from a, a child who's now an adult that had grew up in an alcoholic household. And he begins to talk about some of the characteristics that he deals with as a result of him growing up in an alcoholic household. How he begins to interact with people based on his experience in his house. See, how we interact at home is going to directly affect how we interact socially outside of home. Amen. 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 See, we're lacking social skills now because we have so much social media. Mm -hmm. So media has taken the place of personal interaction. Mm -hmm. Because now you can just text your son or daughter while they're upstairs. Box message, you know, you can do all these other various things, the technology, and you know, and then we, we lose face-to-face -face value. Yeah. Yeah. But in a home where there's been addiction, where there's been abuse in, in, in a, to a certain substance, these are some of the attributes that he shared. This is his own personal experience and some of the traits. This is not necessarily that may be a trait of identity in the process. We are frightened by angry people and any personal criticism. We either become alcoholics, marry them, or both. Or find another compulsive personality such as a workaholic to fulfill our sick abandonment. wanting to make you think that you can change an individual uh, to become what you think they should be. Uh, Listen to this. Based on what you didn't get at home. Uh, so now let me help you because I want you to get free. I see a lot of women who have a who do not have a father in the home. They marry an older man because they're looking for a father figure. Well, you're telling the truth. Come on. Come on. I talk to personal people. I was working with a young lady. Her, her, her husband, she married him because now, at a, because he was older, he had established things that men in her age group didn't have. Uh -huh. So he had a house, he had a car, he had a job with a pension. Come on. Yeah. He was financially secure. He was able to provide. He was able to protect her because now he began to now, she had thought that he would take on that protecting particular type of model because the people in her age group, they're not willing to protect. 
Wow. A seasoned man is going to stand up for his family and for his woman. Come on. Yeah. This young lady was, and her husband was probably about 22 years age difference. Because when I had, I had a conversation with her, she didn't grow up with her father. Her mom had issues, and her grandmother was raising her. And she would tell me the different types of things that she would get into in her lifestyle. She used to sell drugs. Because she became the provider for her own self when nobody else was there to provide. Uh -huh. Then she found herself in various abusive relationships uh -huh. Come on. where men didn't appreciate her mm -hmm. because she was in this mode of having a pity party. Uh -huh. Come on. Well, if, 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 if he, he, he abused me and he, he must love me. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah true. What about because that, they lack discipline in the home structure. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I'm teaching good too, sir. I'm giving you Wisdom today. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> Even though we did not pick up the drink. This addiction, whatever addiction may be that you've been around in your family, you have to understand what he's talking about, and this is what we teach it. There's a spirit. drink and you know you can socially drink on a social basis and with your friends but then you found out that socially your bottle came home with you on Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday oh and not just a Friday night you know happy hour but Saturday, Sunday Monday, it became a repetitive thing in yeah. your life yeah. and now it's a struggle yes sir, yes sir yes sir it's got you bound and you find yourself struggling in relationships in your life because now if this thing really grabs a hold to you, you're going to find things around you falling apart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're telling the truth. Yeah. Because of substance abuse, how many people have lost their family, Amen. their jobs, Amen. their loved ones? Yeah. Because of substance abuse. Amen. Because substance abuse causes you to abuse those around you. Amen. Right. Not intentionally, but yeah. indirectly because that's real, the, sir. The, the particular substance has a hold of you. Yeah, right. that's real. True. That's real. Yes. So now this creates dysfunction. Yes. Yes. That's right. This creates pain. This young man who was a, who was a child now he's an adult. Listen at his struggle as an adult. Now I got pity on people. I'm trying to rescue people. I'm trying to, you know, help these folks that, 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 that don't, and I can't rescue because I want to be accepted by them. So now, let's flip the script because I'm, I'm going to give you in the, in the scripture a dysfunctional family and see some things that happen. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. There's some stuff that I found out that I don't have time to teach today. I really would have to bring it up in a Bible study. But... And it was a valid point, you know, you, you know, when you start studying, you find some different things and people begin to say something, I said, man, this add up. But I don't have time to bring it up today because it would take me way off. That's a whole other lesson. All right. Y'all ready? Amen. How many people here know David, King David? Amen. You know a little bit about about his life. A little bit. Let me give you a little background of David. Now, David <coughs> was the youngest of Jesse's sons. Um, 
And when it came time for him to be selected and chosen to be king over Israel, um, when Samuel was at Jesse's house, and Je Samuel asked Jesse, he said, well, he's all your sons. He said, no. He said, I got one boy that's out there that's pretending to the sheep. He said, well, bring him in. And so he brought him in, and God told Samuel, this is the one to anoint. David is anointed king, but he doesn't immediately take the throne. He goes through a process because he's a diamond in the rough. You can't go from shepherd to palace. That's right. Come on. Come on. I told you he was a diamond in the rough. He had to go through some process. He had to go through almost being kegel by Saul in order to get to the throne. Oh, my God. You got to know the story. So now let's speed it up. So David is king. He becomes king. And because he's in this position of having authority, power, we talked about this PMS in one of our series a long couple of years ago, Power, Money, Sex, PMS. You got to talk about that premenstrual cycle. Power, Money, Sex. You have to go back and go in the archives and get that message. That's another story. But we, we talked about David in this. So David becomes king, and because of his authority and his power, um, he's one day sitting out on his balcony, and he sees Bathsheba. Oh, this girl is fine. She's nice. She's bathing. King David said, man, I want her. So he takes advantage of the opportunity because of his position, and he goes after her, sends her husband on the front line. Because if I'm going to get to her, i got to get rid of him. Come on. So I want you to see some things that's on his bloodline. This, 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 this particular mindset. Because lust will not allow anything to hinder it from getting what it wants. Amen. That's right. That's right. Come on. Yeah. Because he was lusting after Bathsheba, mm -hmm. he created an opportunity where he could have her. <laughs> he got her, laid with her, got her pregnant. Now because he got her pregnant, that's what he wanted to get rid of. Oh, you're right. He said because he out the war, how you pregnant? Hello. I ain't never been here. 21st century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Come in. I ain't never been here. 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 I ain't never been She gets pregnant, but she loses the baby. David goes through this whole uh, mourning process because she done lost the baby because yeah. he's all infatuated with her and all sorts of various things. Yeah. He had the man killed. Then Nathan the prophet comes to tell him his wrong and uh -huh. all the various things. Then he writes Psalms 51 and he says, Create me a clean heart. Lord, I repent. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I messed up. I did wrong. But that lust is on him. Still is in his blood. Come on, right? Transfer. Come on. Because the Bible talks about in Exodus 34, it says that the sins of the father, the iniquities yeah. of the father will begin to fall upon the third and fourth generation. Yes, now you gotta understand something. Iniquities is not the same as transgressing and sin. When we get to iniquity, we get to a point in place where now this thing has got to a habitual cycle of something. Yeah. So in other words, let me bring it to terminology so you can understand. If you have had a whole four or five generations of adultery in your bloodline, mm -hmm. it's a it might be. A generational curse. All right. 
And it might be the iniquities of the fathers that have fallen down because this adultery keeps happening. Yes. Because we see David in adultery. We see David in lust. Yeah. And now here in 2 Samuel chapter 13, we see his son in lust. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm teaching this thing. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Now keep me right here in 2 Samuel chapter 13. I'm in the NIV version. Starting verse 1. In the course of time, Ammon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, yeah. the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Mm -hmm. Now listen to this. Tamar is Amnon's half-sister. Uh -huh. Same daddy, different moms. How many got them? Come on. Half-sister, half-brother. This, this is the Bible. See, y'all, you think your stuff's so jacked up, uh -huh. baby. Get, this ain't new. There's right. nothing new under the sun. Right. Come on, come on. Right. Some of y'all got the same daddy, different moms. It's all right. That's right. right. Amen. Get to know your family and know that you know this ain't the one I need to choose to sleep with. Right. Let me 
can do that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that stuff will come overwhelming because you start seeing some stuff like, where you get this from? They come over there with that book bag and all kind of stuff fall out that bag when mom and daddy go to sleep. Prepared and pushed by lust. 
he doesn't have any consciousness of what's right. Because he doesn't have to go through with the plan that John Dad brings to him. Right. Well. See, a lot of us have the ear, we have people in our ear that want to see us fall. That's right. They want to see you miserable in your relationship, so they tell you all the stuff that kept them all jacked up. Yeah. Man, that's right. And they won't give you sure wisdom. They won't give you anything that's going to help build you or help make things better. They want to keep you in that rut. So he said, he said, so in verse 6, so am I lay down and pretend to be ill? When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make. Now, wait a minute. Did y'all back that thing up again? Right. Did y'all miss that? Earlier he kept saying, Absalom, my sister. Uh -huh. right. Now when he go to his daddy, he says, my sister. Right. See, y'all, sin is cunning. Yeah. Oh, my God, this yes. thing is good. Sin is cunning. He is trying to manipulate the situation yes. so that can work in his favor. Right. And see, this is what is causing this dysfunction. And you're going to see the pain is going to come out of this. And we're going to be just, oh, Jesus, this thing is good. Let me just keep reading. He said, I would like my sister to come and make me some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace. I, I told you these is kingdom people. Uh -huh. Living at the palace is going down. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. Amnon got his own crib. They got money. I keep telling y'all. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Oh, these some good cornbread muffins here, baby. <laughs> oh, these cornbread muffins got something different in them. Come on. They got that good cornbread. Ah. That good cornmeal got something in it that is it just make it do something when you eat it. He said, so then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. So this joke ain't really hungry. Right. He got another agenda. Yeah. Right. He said, sit everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him because Amnon has authority because he's the king's son. Go ahead. And he has people that are working for him. This is palace royalty. This is King David's family. He said, then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. Uh -huh. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. Now, these they sisters. They, right. They, they no problem with her going to his bedroom. Right. She doesn't know the intent of his heart. Right. She's acting as a sister. She's coming to care for him. For him. But he has another mindset, another agenda. Because he's operating in a dysfunction that's on his bloodline. Come on. That lust from his dad. Come on. He said, then Amnon said to Tamar, bring your food into my bedroom so that I may eat before your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought, brought it into her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to, to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's his sister now. Right. Once again. He's trying to manipulate the situation. He says, come to bed with me, my sister. It's verse 12. No, my brother. This is Adam. This is Tamar speaking. She said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? If she is raped, not only raped, but also the Bible is clearly say if this would actually be incest because it's a half-sister, but right. you're talking about rape and incest. She said, where is this going to lead me? Because right. in the culture of the Bible where we're at right here, women don't have the same value or rights yeah. as a man. Yeah. Men control the culture in the Bible in this particular setting. So she says, where would I be? Because I'm going to be in disgrace. And you're going to see it in the scripture. We get that. Oh, God. 
Verse 13, what about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. She said, you're going to be in disgrace too. She's trying to reason with him right. to give him the opportunity to get out of this. God will always give you a way of escape. Yes, he will. In the midst of this drama, in the midst of this struggle, God will present a way of escape. But Amnon does not yield to the way of escape. He said, please speak to the king. He said, you will be like one of the wicked fools. Please speak to the king. He will not keep this. Her still talking. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. Now, she gives even opportunities. If you go to your daddy, the king, he might grant where we can get married because we're only half sister and half brother. Uh -huh. This is the culture. That don't do this today. <laughs> I got to keep going. This is the culture of the Bible. This is not 21st century. Right. Don't you go find that. It's about who's this? No, don't do it. You're going to have issues and problems. He said, please speak to the king. He will not keep you from being mentioned. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Dysfunction, hurt, pain that he has seen through the bloodline is now coming up through him. And look at what happens in verse 15. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. Now, how about a few minutes ago, he was all over this chick. Right. Some cornbread muffins with some greens on the side. Right. Now, all of a sudden, he hated her. Because every time he sees her, he hates what he's done. Yeah. It reminds him of him being less than. It yeah. reminds him of him missing the mark. It reminds him of his transgression. It reminds him of the iniquity. So now he hates her based on what he's done and the way he sees himself. And he knows that it was wrong. In fact, he hated her more than he loved her. Yeah. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. What? Oh, you gonna treat me like a cheap dick? <laughs> get up and get out. No love, no affection. Y'all seen the movies? Think like a man. She got up and a note there. I had to go. He was not ready to commit. He wasn't looking for nothing. So verse 16, no, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after him. His personal servant, money, royalty, the king's palace. He has authority, he has position, and he's using it to his benefit. Now he tells people to come and put her out, bolt the door. So his servant put her out and bolt the door after her. She was wearing an ordinate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. So she had an outward apparel that showed she was a virgin, yeah. but you come touch her, and she was royalty. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ooh, the look of love. Y'all got to be ready for next week. Pastor needs to go tag team with me on that one. The look of love. What are you wearing to attract things to you? Well, woo, come on. Oh, come on. It's going to get tight, but it's going to be right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Baby, you got to get you some good stuff that's going to work, ain't that? Amen. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. He said, so she had on the garment and said, Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her ornament robe she was wearing because she's no longer a virgin. She put her hands on her head and went away weeping aloud as she went. Now, look at the trauma that's come upon her life. Look at the tragedy. Look at the pain. Look at the hurt. And somewhere, there's a man that's going to come find that little girl. 
that young lady that was hurt at that moment and then you're going to marry her and you're going to find out that little girl's going to rise up because it was never dealt with. That place of pain and disappointment and frustration where that man of years ago had abused and neglected and taken advantage of her, it's going to hinder and come into the relationship down the line if you don't deal with that issue. If you don't allow God's love to come in and to remove the pain, remove the stain. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now Absalom knew, because Jonadab's cousin, they all family, Jonadab probably told him that stuff that he probably, he probably told him and said, look, man, I got a thing for your sister. Uh-huh. So as soon as he saw her, he said he knew something was wrong because her virgin clothes were ripped and yeah. the last place she was at was at Amnon's house. Uh-huh. See, you don't need no GPS track on nobody's phone back then. Right, right. You better keep with the Holy Spirit, baby. Right. GPS right. will fail you. It will tell you. It will be lose signal, lose information. I can't get a signal. Recalculating, recalculating. If you get the Holy Spirit, that thing will recalculate and readjust every time. It will get you right on track. It'll let you know, yeah, he's supposed to go to work at 3 o'clock and he did at 4 o'clock. You hear an hour in between. That you're going to miss some time. You better call him up and see if he's there. The Holy Ghost will give it to you, baby. That's what will happen. You better get some Holy Ghost GPS and leave that other stuff alone. You try to check his phone, check his phone, number, check his phone, check his phone. You try to call him up in the middle of the day. Are you at lunch? It's 12 o'clock. It's 12 o'clock. You still eat? Why are you here? eating yet. This will be done. Go back to work. Emotional distress. Uh-huh. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a, listen to this, a desolate woman. Yes. All because she had been abused and taken advantage of. Yes. She's left to be desolate. Amen. She has to go and live in her brother's house. Right. Because now the shame and the hurt is on her. Right. But now, listen, if you're going to close this thing, I'll speed it up and give you some, some wisdom on how to get to the place where you overcome the pain, yeah. overcome the dysfunction, it's through the love of God. So now Absalom lets this thing ride out for two years. Mm-hmm. Two years later, he puts his men and have a hit out on Amnon, and he has Amnon killed. Mm-hmm. Does that not sound like his dad, David, who had a hit out on yeah. the yeah. lion? Yeah. I told yeah. you these things are generational. It's in the bloodline. Yeah, really. Same tendencies, same yeah. proclivities. Yeah. This is why we have to begin to acknowledge and find out those various things that are going on in our life. Why are we doing what we're doing? Right. You just can't tell me this is how I am. No, it's something behind how you are. Yeah. Right. It's something behind how we are and how we need to address it in order to have healthy relationships that are going to live. We're going to have a prosperous relationship and we're going to live in harmony with someone. So this is the work that we don't want to take the time out to do. Because we in lust like Amnon and we only want the end result. I want the good stuff and if the stuff ain't good enough, I'll kick you out. Oh y'all ain't real today. Don't try to act like you ain't don't try to act like don't 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 play me today. You ain't been saved all your life. We're gonna tell the truth up in here. Yeah. So look at all of the dysfunction, all the pain, all the hurt that was caused 
because of Adonai's decision. Yeah. Not only did it hinder his life, it hindered her life, but she became a desolate woman. Absalom now gets angry and frustrated. He goes and now puts a hit out on somebody and kills his own brother. Look at so much tragedy that goes forward. And you keep reading, so many other things happen in David's life and his family as a result of all of this. So what I'm saying today is, if you have seen and you've identified the place of dysfunction, even after we shared the stories today, we've ministered today, and those various things that go on, your story may be different, your issue may be different, your dysfunction may be different, whatever it may be, you can win and overcome it. Today is the day that you make the decision to say, you know what, God? I'm going to be healed from the hurt of the pain of my past. I'm no longer going to choose like I would choose before. I'm going to choose by acknowledging you. The Bible says if we would acknowledge God, if we would begin to acknowledge him and allow him to direct our paths, you got to submit to God. We have to submit to him. In order for us to sustain 22 years of marriage, I had to submit to God to find out how to love her, how to nurture her, how to take care of her in the different phases of her life. She had to seek God how to love me through the different phases on how the different things that I changed in, different things that I begin to do, how to love me. She had to seek God to get wisdom. God, what do I do? How do I love him in this stage of his life? Because I'm telling you, you're going to change in this relationship. Come on, that's good, sir. As you grow older, the things you like and dislike change. Yes, they do. You used to like it nice and cold in the house. Now you want the heat on 800. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It ain't the hormones, it ain't this, it ain't none of that. I just want the heat on 800. I want to be hot up here. I want to feel like I'm in the beach of the Bahamas here. <laughs> Absalom, I mean, how are you going to come in here and fix this mess? 
Only by the grace of God. Ain't no way. It ain't enough counsel in the world to fix that. You need the grace of God. Yes, sir. The stuff that Amnon F's off and Tamar could have lived. She became a desolate woman. How can you fix that? Ayana, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take more than Ayana sitting on the couch and stirring up a cup of soup and telling you,
grew up on the south side of Chicago. How are you doing? I grew up in the south side of Chicago also. My name is Denise Jones. No, it ain't that simple, baby. No, my name is no, now 21st century. My name is George Jones. Yes, I grew up in DCFS for three years. Then I moved my grandma for two years. And then I started working on my own. I worked in KFC when I was 15. Uh-huh. And then my cousin them, they came back and they got me. I went to live with them because I got homeless. And, and then I was beat up a lot because they had didn't like me. And then I started having kids at 17. I got a little baby. That's my baby mama. At 19, I had another baby with another lady. That's baby and mama number two. So now, how you doing? My name is Jonas Jones. I'd like to meet you. Can you handle all of that?